From an Iraq war cover-up to towns ravaged by opioids to the roots of our modern immigration crisis, Embedded explores what's been sealed off and undisclosed. NPR's original investigative podcast reveals why these stories and the people behind them matter. Listen to the Embedded podcast only from NPR. Nuclear. Now, was it Crick or Creek? Coyote or Coyote? Sometimes I say library. Welcome to You're Saying It Wrong. I'm Fletcher Powell here with, we'll start with Ross today. Hi, Ross. You're uh, up there in Hi, Toronto. Hi, Fletcher. How are you? I'm good. I hear you're a little bit sleepy, though, today. What's going on? Well, we went to an Afghan supermarket, and they had this wonderful thing called butter bread which is basically bread baked sort of suffused with butter, a long flat bread. It is just amazing. And this morning I had it with Afghan sour cherry jam, mm. which is incredible. Now I'm not a very big carb eater, but I tell you this morning I overloaded on carbs. So now I'm feeling <laughs> comfortably and happily, happy, <laughs> happily asleep, half asleep, or whatever. <laughs> Do you also feel sort of shiny from butter or no? Um, no, I like, I mean, no, not really. Is, is Ross a messy eater? Maybe is I that... am. No, I, no. Do I glisten? You guys are looking at me. Do I have a slight cherry glow, butter Ross, glisten? You glow. <laughs> uh, Kathy, and you are coming to us, of course, from your home in, I learned, Armia, Spain. Not Granada, si, Armia. Armia, which is in Granada province. And we are a metro stop or three away from from Granada City, so. Oh, very it's, good. It's really virtually there. It's just like we get to have a house instead of a piso. But not literally there, Kathy. We, we've discussed virtual and literal. <laughs> I forget it. <laughs> I'm figuratively there, Ross. Yeah, I'm figuratively right. I there. Say. <laughs> well, today's show is somewhat of a mystery to me because Kathy and Ross didn't want to give too much away, but I, I understand we're going to do a little quiz in a bit about some grammatical rules, what's wrong, what's right. But Kathy, something came up that you wanted to talk about first? This is, you know how I always get all head up and, and kind of cranky about like seeing words over and over and over that I never saw before mm-hmm. that's trying to drive me crazy i get a lot of fashion emails believe it or not because i don't look like particularly fancy here well people but can't anyway, actually see you except us so uh let's well, just i ahead. look incredible it's amazing I'm wearing one of my usual ensembles but anyway i keep seeing this word popping up in my emails and it's colorway uh, the one i'm looking at right now was something called who what where and it said the popularity of Adidas Samba sneakers shows no sign of waning as these kicks continue to sell out. That also irritated me, but don't go there. These kicks continue to sell out in particular, practically every colorway. Three lines down, it said, other sneaker styles on the rise include the Tiger Mexico 66 sneakers in their vibrant golden yellow colorway. And I'm like, colorway? Whoa. Colorway? You guys, have you seen it? Or is this just a fashion thing? that I'm... I've, This is the first time I've ever heard it, no. Yeah, it's driving me nuts. I actually have seen it. Kath, why don't you define it, though? Because uh, this is where we have a little bit of a... Kath and I both have a little bit of a quibble on this. So why don't you go with the technical... Okay, well, I looked it up because I was like, why aren't they saying colors? And 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 it is. Um, it, it means colors, which is what bothers me. I mean... It, it okay. It, it it's like multicolors, a combination of colors, but that's colors. Yeah. I mean, 
color way sounds just like, you know, sort of like bogus to me, sort of. Okay, here, tech. Okay, let's look at A range of combinations of colors in which a style or design is available. The example sentence was, our sweater comes in two colorways. Okay, can I chime in here? No. Well, even if I can't, I am going <laughs> no, I'm, to. I'm, I'm, I'm actually not asking for permission here. Uh, it's basically, uh, colorway seems to me, I mean, it seems to have kind of like merged into just basically another word for color. But it basically it seems to be much more of an industry term for a color combination. I don't see why you can't say color combination. Or just say colors. It comes in like, you know, a, a variety of colors. But it does seem to be specifically more often used for a color combination. In other words, it comes in red, black, blue, green, white, orange. I don't know. It's basically a, a combo of colors. So therefore, you're basically trying to say, you're not saying colorways you wouldn't normally use for like a sneaker that comes in yellow or green or blue. It's used for a sneaker that comes in okay, yellow, I'm green. Okay, I'm looking right now at the sneaker. I am looking at that one too, and it's all yellow. yellow colorway, and it's yellow. As I was talking, I looked at that one that we have here, and you're right, it is all yellow. But I think generally it's, it's used for a combination. And also, I want to cut in here again. <laughs> you're, cutting, you're cutting in on yourself now, Ross? <laughs> yeah, well, why not? I had too many carbs. I have no idea what I'm doing. But colorway is actually, believe it or not, an older term. It's not that recent. No, I've only recently seen it. Well, as we were speaking, I looked it up on the OED. We have a Manchester Guardian or uh, advertisement from 1941. Advertising furnishings in eight colorways. Oh, well, that's stupid, too. And we have another one from 1951 in Long Beach. Advertising wallpaper patterns in four new colorways. Well, this is so odd because I have only seen it literally within the last, literally, not figuratively, within the last month or so, constantly. I mean, I, 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 mean, I think it's been popping up for the last year or so, but I, I have never run across it before in my life until this year colorway and i don't like it because i think it's one of those cases where people are trying to sound more like like fancy like i said you know so yeah i wonder how how intentional i mean i guess most things in advertising are pretty directly intentional but it reminds me of i have it I don't want to call anybody out by name, but I have a supervisor <laughs> who, uh, when, when when talking to other people about stuff that we do here at the station, sometimes uses pretty jargony terms, and and I have to remind this person that not everybody's going to understand those terms, and this almost mm -hmm. seems like something that would have been used internally that sort of started to seep out. Yeah, I agree wow. with you. I, I feel like that would be like you're in the fashion industry. So you're, it's like, actually, it's another pet peeve of mine when you talk about the pant. That's a very nice pant. You know, most people say pants. But yeah. I remember back in the old days when I worked as a sales girl, um, I was assistant buyer too at one point. But, and they would talk about the pant. And, and I mean, I did too. And I think it's like colorways is sort of that kind of thing where it's like in the industry and you sound like you're in the know. Yeah. Or you just get used to saying it. And I do recall, Kathy, uh, you and I going to a, uh, a editorial meeting and we have certain jargon words. I think we've talked about it. We use the word many flans. times, Ross. <laughs> yeah. And we use the word, I remember literally using the word, not figuratively, literally using one of us used the word flens. 
Oh, we'll flens that, referring to a document we uh, some part of the book we had written. And the editors looked at us like, "What?" Yeah. And we both said, "You know, flen-. then we realized that that was our internal jargon word, but we used it naturally." And I'm really wondering with colorways if what Fletcher said is true. And without the pejorative thing, it just sort of took on, and people now use it normally. Maybe, I still don't care for it. No, I, it's one of those things that um, sort of creates an exclusivity. Mm-hmm. You know, it 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 kind of makes it makes you feel outside, and I guess in, in some ways that's what advertising wants to do: is it wants to make you desire to be inside. But I I, mm. I wonder how intentional this was. I don't. I just don't see the Manchester Guardian or the Long Beach Press. But that Telegram was back in 1950. So then it sort of took off, and you guys didn't notice it, you know, in that sense, <laughs> which is not a big deal. We were very busy for the last, <laughs> right. the last 60, 70 years, You're 80 right. years. Before pre-birth, we were busy. very occupied. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, let's just get off of this. Enough of the colorways, then. And now we go to the meat of the matter alluding to last yes, time's right. podcast. Clever, <laughs> yes. huh? Nice little segue. We actually uh, came up with this because we got an email from a reader of uh, one of our books. Uh, that doesn't mean what you think it means. Who? It was a very uh, aha <laughs> email saying that uh, he was reading our intro and twice, count it twice, we broke a certain grammatical rule. He claimed we used uh, a certain thing wrong and this goes back to now the whole concept here, which is going to be the test, right or wrong, mm-hmm. or relatively okay. right or wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so, Fletcher, we're going to give you two sentences right now, and you're going to tell us which one is right and which one is wrong. Are we ready? Let's do it. Ready or not? Okay. Sentence one. Small countries like Cyprus will face significant problems. Sentence two. Small countries such as Cyprus will face significant problems. Right. I, I knew exactly where you were going as soon as I heard small countries like Cyprus. I, <laughs> I, knew, I knew exactly what you were doing because I remember reading this somewhere probably within the last five years, definitely within the last 10 years. I had always used like and such as interchangeably and more often used like. I remember reading that apparently like is incorrect but i don't really believe that that's the case anymore whether it used to be the case or not i think you can use either one now yay very good this was supposed to be a stumper to lead it <laughs> off, but it wasn't we in our intro used like uh-huh. where the reader who wrote in very very what's the word i'm looking for here but i'm not going to use certain terms that i'm just thinking wrote in saying we should have used such as um, we do use like when many people say such as, and we say it's certainly not a grammatical crime. There used to be a sort of quasi rule, but no. This is a really interesting situation too, because what we did, we had a mother who was very much against, she was very much of a such as person. She was very much against like. And um, historically there was a famous like as uh, advertisement, Winston tastes good like a cigarette should. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. And grammarians corrected it and said it should be as. And then the copywriters, I thought, did a brilliant comeback saying, what do you want, good grammar or good taste? And the copywriters were actually correct on a grammatical situation as well. Both words harken back to the old English. 
And one is Galike and Lique from Old English and Old Norse, meaning similar to, and such as comes back to Swikaga or something like that. I can't do these. I know. And I'm the earliest definition of such as is, believe it or not, then was like. They were used relatively interchangeably in Old England, in Old Norse land. And we found not many, many examples going into later history, such as Jane Austen, where she says a straightforward, open-hearted man like Weston, a guy called Henry Van Dyke, who was a big religious writer, wrote everything in the 1800s, and men like Paul, like Chrysostom, like Francis of Assisi. And then we have uh, Robert Louis Stevenson, a critic like you is one who fights the good fight. So there's a lot of historical precedent for saying like instead of such as. But the problem is, it's like this guy, like this guy who wrote us, Snottily, um, said, I mean, he thought that you shouldn't use like for inclusion. Like is, 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 shouldn't be used for inclusion. It's only for comparison. It's something like that. Mm -hmm. It's not, it's not an example of it. And we found that that actually all started in the mid 20th century. It's not, it, as Ross just said, it was a past thing where it was just fine and dandy. And now you've got like all these people saying like should not be used in place of such as. But we think it sort of feels wrong. And I think that you're in the same um, boat. Such as feels wrong? Using like, if you have to, like feels more chatty. Oh, I Like is fine. Definitely yeah. like feels more chatty. And I think you've shown here that it's also historically perfectly fine. I, I do I do sort of understand the tendency to use such as instead of like, because if we really want to bear down, maybe saying like could could potentially possibly in some world be a little vague because, you know, are, are we talking about something similar to this or are we talking about this as an example of whatever we're talking about? But it's not really like we can pretty much figure out what's going on pretty quickly. Easily. Yeah. And I think what really inter interested us the most is that we have like we went back into Old English and Old Norse. Then we went into the 1800s with Jane Austen, et cetera, saying like as uh, such as. And then we found and then we went even to the earlier uh, 1900s where the Fowler brothers, as in the King's English, in their concise Oxford dictionary, had like de defined as such as and such as defined as like. So we go back to the modern times. Then we found the uh, Chicago Manual of Style. Now, that one does have such as is dis as distinct from like. But so basically we're talking about a mid 20th century convention that is now changing again. <laughs> mm -hmm. So why bother? Yeah, that's exactly it. The bottom line to me. So it's, it's really we've we've got many centuries of precedent versus what, 70 years of precedent. It's sort of it's, mm -hmm. it's kind of a recency effect, isn't it? You know, it, it seemed because the more recent trend was to use such as and and not to use like we mm. we assume that that's the way it's always been and, yeah. and ought to be but but in fact it just happens to be the thing that was used for the past 70 years and now it, things are changing back right well there you go so <laughs> so fletcher you could repeat these two like cypress or such as cypress <laughs> and both will be correct or either would be correct <laughs> yeah, that's right <laughs> oh, <laughs> you are right kathy you will face significant problems <laughs> with my attitude here and 
Okay, number two. This is, this is, okay, right or wrong. One, Team America is gonna win. Or going to win, if I pronounce it. <laughs> okay, yeah, I was wondering which way we were going with that. <laughs> I say gonna, I can't help it, I always will. Number two, Team America are gonna win. Oh, God. <laughs> well, I think I think this has to depend on where you are, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Fletcher, Fletcher, Fletcher. <laughs> look, well, look, I, you know, I watch sports, and while I'm yes. not a huge fan of uh, soccer slash football, which, by the way, I've learned recently, uh, until quite recently, soccer was used interchangeably in England, or soccer and football were used interchangeably. It's not, it's not a longstanding thing that uh, football has always been the word, and we Americans have have used soccer, and it's been split. It, apparently. And that change only happened recently. Regardless, even though I don't watch a lot of football slash soccer, I do certainly pay attention like during the World Cup. And I'll hear the British announcers uh, use R, Team America R. Right, R. Yeah. Yes. I have, that, always, that always stops me whenever I see anything like that. I, I can't help it because I have the is for the team. Yep. It's a collective noun. Right. Ross. Yes, and... <laughs> Let's put an American cap on now. In America, we would say, of course, Team America is going to win. Why? Because team is what is called a collective noun. That means it basically we're looking at it kind of as like a mushed up singular uh, noun. So therefore it goes with is. I think the Brits, though, take Team America and they think of it as a bunch of individuals so therefore it's a plural and they are going to win but in the states it is is and you are correct collective nouns basically take the singular although now come to think of it i was thinking the yankees which i used to be a big fan the yankees are gonna win i didn't say the yankees is gonna right win. right but the but yankees sounds yankees is plural like it has an s on the end right yeah yeah but, but i'm thinking about the nba playoffs or the nba finals actually are going i was on just right thinking now. that go yeah so yeah. so the heat the Miami Heat are playing, right? We wouldn't say the Heat is going to win. We would say the Heat no. are going to win. Yeah, the Heat are going to no. win. But that's like Yankees. Right, but Heat heat isn't like a... It doesn't sound plural necessarily. What about heat, the Jazz? Heat is plural. No, <laughs> the, jazz. the Jazz. You would say the Jazz are going to win. You wouldn't say the Jazz is going to win. No. Yeah, the Jazz are going to win. So it's not, it's not exactly hard and fast one way or the other. Okay, but I'm going to give you quickly, let's go through a couple of other collective nouns right now. The audience is or are happy. Is. Class is dismissed or are dismissed. Is. Crowd is big or are big. Is. Family is or are nice. Is. (laughs) Okay, we got the general pattern here. Let's go through flock, committee, corporation, group. Uh Uh-huh. Panel or staff? Okay, we all have the staff is here, the panel is present, etc. But Kathy's going to throw another one out. Okay, now, number and couple. (laughs) Okay, there are a number of reasons why I did this, or there is a number of reasons why I did this. There are a number, there is a number. Yeah, that's something that that always makes me stop. And and wonder which one I should use. The next one really stumps me all the time. The married couple is really nice. The married couple are really nice. Oh yeah, they they both sound right. They both sound okay to me. Boy Fletcher, you're you're just like 
you sing today grammatically. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> we have to make another badge. <laughs> <laughs> let's go for, let's go back to the first one for a second though first. Number is a collective noun. We just talked about collective nouns, but when it's preceded by a, it takes a plural verb. There are a number of reasons why it didn't go. However, when it's preceded by the, it takes a singular verb. The number of dogs in the park was incredible. Isn't that fun? Oh, wow. See, this gets me, though, because this is really, I think, where your ear is is your friend. Because I don't think anyone really knows when and, you know, when it's really right and when it's really wrong. I think mm -hmm. you go, this sounds correct and this sounds incorrect. That's a really good point. Because I just, when you said that, I immediately thought, there is a number of reasons. I'd go immediately. I'd go. No, it's there are. Yeah. You know, without even. I mean, without hesitation. I wouldn't have to think. I want to point out that Fletcher hesitated. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Does that you want to dock me a point for that one? <laughs> yeah. Come on. <laughs> it is mostly gut feel for me, though. I, I have to say. I mean, a lot of this stuff with grammar is kind of gut feel for me, but certainly with the is are and all of that. I, I don't look at it and know particularly. It's just what feels right. To be honest with you, Fletcher, I suspect most people don't know. Yeah. I, I really, I mean that. So I, I, I think that's just fine. Because that's how, I mean, what, Ross, were you going to say no. something? I was breathing in oxygen. Ah, that's good. <laughs> breathing in. <laughs> A couple of moments. But the couple one is the one that throws me all the time. Yeah, I'm going to throw this to you, Fletcher, right now. This is, the couple is a little... It's a little bit, it's merely a matter of interpretation to some degree. Okay, the couple is going to be wed. The couple are going to be wed. Uh, I like are in that, in that yes. situation. Yeah. Why? Because in a way it's, it's a collective, but in a way here we have, we're basically saying that within the collective, the two people in it are going to be wed. Right, exactly. Right? That would make sense, unlike the number one to me. So therefore, let's go to the next question. Or the next sentence, the couple has three children. The couple have three children. Oof. Hmm. I, 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 if I were just to say that, I think I would still say have. The couple has, the couple have. It, it, that's one of those things where I would probably just not really be sure, but have kind of sounds a little I better to me. I think I would me. say they. Yeah, they I mean, yeah, of course, right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, the example we have here is is has. Mm -hmm. Because you're saying the couple is now is a collective. Yeah. They're a team, and the team has three children. I have a problem, though. I, yeah, I, I would go either way. But I don't, but the point really with it is it's really a matter of your own interpretation, how you're talking about it. Um, I mean, for example, if you had the couple are to be wed, and then you go on and say, and, you know, of course, prior to their marriage, the couple had had three children, have three children. I mean, you can use a plural there or a singular. It really depends more on how you feel rather than technically being correct. But, yeah, you should but be I, consistent. I mean, you but can't the, switch exactly, back and forth. Exactly. But you should okay, try to be consistent you. on that, theoretically. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> Literally consistent. This, though, is where I go weird on, on collective nouns. We're talking about... Um, when it's amounts and stuff. Okay, which of these is correct? Mm -hmm. The majority. Th uh, this is another one, like couple. I have issues with this. The majority of the population is English speakers. 
the majority of the population are English speakers. Okay, so since here's here's the difference for me. Uh, with what you've just said, R feels more correct. However, if right. you if you dropped the word speakers from that and just said the majority is English or are English, I would say is. That's interesting because that's technically the majority of the population is English speakers is absolutely correct. It just sounds odd. Right, exactly. But that's interesting. You're dropping the speakers. It's very clever because when you do that, it, you're right. Yeah, when you say speakers, it feels like, okay, we've got these divisible things. You know, and, yeah, right. and so so now I'm using R. But when you drop speakers and it's just is English, that that feels fine to me. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, normally when it's amounts and quantities, it's it's a sing, it's a, not a plural, it's singular. Normally, even if the noun is a plural noun, like speakers, right? But it just sounds sort of odd to our ear. But your trick of dropping it, you suddenly go, oh yeah, right? Okay. I mean, because what we're talking about. We're going back to the word majority, of course, right? And, and, right. And yes. so majority is, yeah. I mean, and, and that makes sense. But but I do understand certainly why anyone would say majority are English speakers. It makes perfect sense because because you feel like you've got those individual things inside that collective. Exactly. Okay, but let's go on. Let's jump ahead now with amounts and quantities, okay? Let's try this one. $50 is too much to lose. Fifty dollars are too much to lose. Uh, yeah, is 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 what I would say. Right, you're right. Usually, when we talk about amounts of quantities, it's usually singular. Although right. Ross, now if I had singles, I'm saying I have fifty dollar bills. I could see those are those are specific. Yeah. Saying that fifty dollars that the fifty dollars are too mu- are too many. To lose, <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's what you say. You're saying, yeah, yeah. I, that's I, sort of tricky, I, I think that that's a little context dependent. I mean, if if somehow we are talking about fifty individual dollars, then then yeah. And I had a little twinge of that before I gave my answer, but really, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about. No, I know, but I was just being nitpicky. This amount I was being irritated. 50, Fifty <laughs> bucks, you know. Okay, here's what I'm going to throw out to both of you: bacon and eggs. Were served for breakfast or was served for breakfast? Oh, that's a good one. Bacon and eggs were served. Bacon and eggs was served. I I, I would say were. It, were is nicer there, but I understand was. I mean, bacon and eggs is is the dish. Yeah. Yeah, but I see it as a were too. I mean, the rule basically we're saying right now is this amounts and quantities use singular determiners. But I have to say, I would say were. Mm-hmm. Bacon and eggs were served for breakfast. Although, okay, grits. Grits were, I would say grits were. I would say grits was. Same, me too. But that's because mom was from the South. I wonder, right? <laughs> so, I, I, I'm not from the South, and I don't, I mean, I, I know what grits are. I've eaten grits, but I don't have the experience of having grits around me all the time. So I wonder what I would, <laughs> I wonder what I would say if, if that were part of, you know, my day, my, my life, grits. I would probably say yum. <laughs> This is good. <laughs> <laughs> Grits are great. I have to say, I can't. Grits is great, Ross. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> oh, See, right. look, look at that, look at that. <laughs> but this is really interesting because at breakfast, I, I would just think, Bob, are we having grits for dinner, Kath? We're having grits for dinner. I mean, for for breakfast. Grits. The grits was really good. The grits were really good. I would say were. Mm-hmm. I would. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Hmm. Actually, if you ever go to Savannah, have shrimp and grits. Well, That's look, fabulous. look, but but look, look what you're doing here. Okay, you're saying the grits, 
right? The grits were good. But you but if you yeah. say grits was served for breakfast, that's like grits the dish, grits. Not yes. not not the grits, right? I think that the makes a big difference. Yeah, it does. It makes it a collective. Yeah. Yeah, like the sand was served for breakfast, which it wouldn't be, but you would well, it could sand. be in the shrimp. <laughs> yeah, right. But sand would be a collective, and there are lots of little particles of sand, but it's a collective. This is grits. Mm. All right. <laughs> We're moving on from the grits. Which is correct? Moreover, which is preferred? One, firstly, we ask you this. Second, you answer. Third, we discuss it. Two, first, we ask you this. Second, you answer. Third, we discuss it. Third, firstly, we ask you this. <laughs> Secondly, you answer. Thirdly, we discuss it. All right. <laughs> well, I can tell you which one I would use, and that would be number two. Uh, drop the L-Y from everything. It doesn't seem to me that you should be able to mix them, so it seems like either two or three should be okay, but I don't, I don't actually know which one's correct. We got him, Ross, finally. <laughs> we did. Kath, why do you take this part of it here? Because I'm just—I'm going to open with—I'm going to say one thing first of all. Firstly, firstly, <laughs> is de- <laughs> firstly has been detested for centuries, and a famous writer, essayist, literary critic Thomas De Quincey said, "I detest this ridiculous and pedantic form." But I don't use it. But I don't detest it. Let's put it that way. The weird thing is, is that technically the most preferred. For yes. centuries, by grammarians, has been number one. Oh. Firstly, first, mm-hmm. second, second, and third, third in the in a, in a in a numerical list. Yeah. Which to me, I'm with you. I say first, second, third. I I I I drop the ly's. They to me sound just like sort of messy and they stick around. You know. Uh, I sort of agree with De, De Quincey though. I hate firstly. It sounds bizarre. It sounds a little gross. I agree. I, yeah. I'm not. I don't know. Just something something about it doesn't really work. Well, yeah. first. Well, first is a flat adverb, so that you don't need to bother. I love flat adverbs. That was one of my favorite episodes. I loved learning about that. Go, baby. So there's first. But it used to be because second and third and so on were not as commonly used as as flat adverbs, that you would have firstly, excuse me, you'd have first and then, wait, now I'm getting all bollocks stuff. Wait a second. You'd add the LYs, which is what people thought at the time. Then it became firstly, second, third, and so on. And now everybody prefers just now there's more and more of a trend towards the first, second, third, like Mm -hmm. we're talking about. Although we had the Fowler's Modern English saying, rightly or wrongly, my own instinct is to write first, secondly, thirdly. Oh. We forgot to put that example that, in us. That was supposed <laughs> to be the example of the most common, the technically correct. Yes. So, <laughs> gosh. Okay. So is is one, are, are they, I mean, I have to assume they're all okay to use, but is yeah. one is one technically more correct than the other? That's tough. I mean, theoretically for eons, eons, it was first, secondly, thirdly. Mm-hmm. which we meant to put in, which I meant to put in and did not, obviously, in my little list. Um, because first was the flat adverb, second, third were not as common, so they added the L-Y. Okay. Now, it's, I mean, you get a little nutsy with adding the L-Y on numbers. I mean, like 15thly, it just, it's, yeah. it's sort of, it borders on the ludicrous. Yeah. 
I think you could say whatever. I think you should. I think now generally, I was just looking as we were speaking. The most common now seems to be first, second, third. Yeah. But I take exception with the people, and there are many. You used to be that way, Ross, who would insist on the firstly. You did. I don't remember that. Oh, yeah, because a bunch of times I would say first, second, and you'd say put an L-Y in. You did. Really? I didn't remember that at all. Back in the day, back when you were young and callow. I suppose I was very callous because I, for the, or I'm losing my memory for the life of me. I don't remember that. But. Yeah, no, actually you did because we would, we would be writing stuff for proposals and something and you would, you would tell me to add the L-Y. It's funny. It's funny you say that because I, I actually got a, a, about 10 years ago, I got a complete set of Thomas de Quincey and he hated Firstly and maybe I just sort of got it into my head. <laughs> I'm not trying to like make you feel bad. Yeah. But I this. No, and I've sort of like I've sort of gotten it into my head that I've always hated it. So it's like I don't know. We've always it's like Orwellian. We've always been at war with East Asia or something. I don't know. I think it, it, maybe it's all the carbs just sucking the <laughs> Yeah, it's the carbs. You know, that butter bread, that shiny face thing. I know. Gosh. <laughs> You're Saying It Wrong is part of the NPR Podcast Network and is produced by me, Fletcher Powell, in the studios of KMUW in Wichita, Kansas. Kathy Petrus records from her home in Granada, Spain. Ross Petrus records from his home in Toronto, Ontario in Canada. Our digital team is Beth Golay and Carly Cooper. If you like what we're doing here on the show, please tell everyone you know and leave us a rating and a review on your podcast platform of choice. If you have a question for Kathy and Ross, you can email me at powell at kmuw.org or email them at kandrpetrus at gmail.com. The book, You're Saying It Wrong, was published by 10 Speed Press, and you can find that and Kathy and Ross's other books pretty much anywhere you get books. We recommend your local independent bookstore. And a number of their books are also available on audiobook, read by the authors themselves. Kathy and Ross are always up to something. You can find out more about what they're doing at their website, kandrpetras.com. That's K-A-N-D-R-P-E-T-R-A-S.com. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back in two weeks.